Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hey, um, so um, if you're taking notes today, my uh, the title of my message is the disciple. Excuse me, the journey of a of a disciple. The journey of a disciple. I, you know, I turned 50 uh, not too long ago, which I'm finding out is young. I didn't know that when I was your age. At my age, it feels almost juvenile. Uh, and so, um, and so uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on this, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gaining some wisdom in life that I didn't have when I was younger. Have you noticed that? When you get older, you look back and you're like, I cannot believe I was stressed over that period of my life. Have you, have you experienced that? Um, you look back and you're like, gosh, that really freaked me out at the time. And now I've, if I could do it all over, I would not be as nervous about that season. Uh, and then, then we somehow, as humans, have the magical ability to not take that lesson into this season. We're like, we say things like, I can't believe I was freaked out about that. Now this is something worth freaking out about, right? And, and then like in five years, we look back at this and we're like, I can't believe I freaked out about that. But what I'm in now, that's... Now, this is something to freak out about, right? And, and if we don't learn these lessons, uh, what we find out is um, we, we just keep repeating the same pain over and over again, right? And I, I don't know, how many of you want to get out of that cycle? I want to get out of that cycle. I don't, I'm tired of being in that cycle. And what happens is as you get older, uh, you start to say, you know, this is worth freaking out about, but I just don't really have the energy for it, right? And, and so, and then you realize, okay, catastrophe didn't come and Maybe it does, and you're just like, well, I don't, I don't really have, I, don't, I just don't have the energy uh, to waste on something so trivial. And so one way or another, uh, God is going to win in your anxiety. Just, just want to let you know that. One way or another, amen, he will wear you down. But what has been extremely helpful to me, and I hope will be helpful to you, is <clears throat> um, we, we, uh, we, we imagined the end point of our journey too soon. Right, we, we, we have these fixed dates in our mind, uh, these fixed ages that things should be accomplished or done. We have these uh, fixed waypoints that we think, by this time, I should be there when God never gave you that vision. And uh, when we don't reach that end point by a certain time, we get this idea of failure, right? Um, and and uh, I don't know if you know this, but there is an end point, and that's when Jesus says, it is finished, right? That was the end. Uh, he was on the cross, striving is done. Uh, you come into relationship with him, you now, your, your, your time frame changes. Uh, whereas um, the, the American uh, enterprise wants to tell you, you know, by 22, you better, have an, you better uh, be out of college, uh, have a career figured out, three steps up the road already, 2,000 Twitter followers. You know, there's like this thing that, you know, by this age, you should already um, be well toward a down payment. And by 26, you, you know, they have these. And if you, don't, if you don't reach it by then, you're a failure, right? And uh, uh, not recognizing, and here's what I really want you to get out of this, not recognizing, I, I had to come to the understanding that um, I, my life is not a series of races. My life is a journey. There, there is one journey that is the life of Carl Thomas. And once I recognize, man, okay, I, uh, I keep running around, uh, but I keep coming back to the same place. I'm not actually getting anywhere. Maybe this whole idea um, that these waypoints are real is, is, is the problem. 
Maybe the problem isn't that I haven't reached these waypoints. Maybe the problem is that I haven't realized yet that I'm on a journey that God is actually in charge of. And no matter how I scurry around, I'm still going to be on that journey. I'm not going to finish that journey until I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That, that, that's when the journey ends. And um, along the way, uh, God is going to walk with me on that journey to accomplish things. Some things are for my good. Some things have nothing to do with me at all, just to help other people around me. Uh, some, some things are for my pleasure. Some things are going to be unpleasurable, but are part of the bigger journey that I'm on. I remember um, when I was young, I went on a um, hiking trip <clears throat> uh, in Colorado, uh, and it's just so out of character. My life is just filled with weird stories out of nowhere, right? Like, if I were to tell you my youth, and I'd say, oh, and by the way, I went on a 14-day uh, you know, hiking trip where we climb mountains in Colorado, you'd be like, wait, was this before or after you got arrested in middle school? Like, where, where was this in that story, right? Like, this is like, I just had a crazy life. And, and, and so when you go uh, hiking, <clears throat> you, you need hiking boots. And I've got to be honest with you, I don't exactly know why. I still don't know why you need hiking boots, but you do. And when you get hiking boots, you have to break them in. And when you put on new boots, any, anybody here who's bought, not like the furry things you guys get it, you know, pay less. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, but good boots have to be broken in. And when you're breaking in your boots, more than likely they're going to be breaking in your feet, right? Like, and I, I talked to, we have a, a friend uh, named Hoffa who's uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail right now. And the, amen. Yeah, Hoffa. Don't know why we're clapping, but yeah, yeah, Hoffa. She's out walking. Um, <clears throat> and so the first time I, I heard from her, I said, you know, how are your feet? Take, take care of your feet. And she's like, I actually have 11 blisters right now. Right, because if you don't take care of your feet, you're not going to be walking anymore, and you're, and you're stuck. You've got to take care of your feet. Why do you need to take care of your feet? Well, that, that's how you go along your journey, right? And if we're not prepared to understand, like, I'm not just walking one day here. I'm not trying to make one milestone. I'm on a journey, so I need to take care of my soul that it does not get too bruised on the journey that I can't continue the journey. Is this making sense? And, and, and yeah, and so as, um, as we become Christians, there's a funny thing that happens that we sell the gospel in a way. Um, we sell it like, come, meet Jesus, get saved, right? That is, that is what we want. And then we have like these upgrades. You know, I bought a phone and they kept trying to upgrade me recently. And I'm like, yes, I would like everything that's included in the price on this flyer. They're like, okay, okay, but how about this case? I'm like, absolutely, does it come with the price on this flyer? I'm like, no, I'm like, then I don't want it, right? And they're like, okay, would you like to do this? I'm like, absolutely, I'd love to do that. What are you, golden minutes? Absolutely, give me those. Give me some of these magic minutes. Give me everything you got, as long as it falls under the price on this flyer. And I'm trying to get a point across here, right? Like, this is what I want. Period. Stop trying to up. And so in Christianity, we kind of sell it like, you know, the product is salvation and uh, discipleship is like an upgrade you can buy later. Right. Like 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 you just become a Christian. You become it. You magically are nine words away from becoming a Christian. And then maybe we'll try to sell you on the upgrade of discipleship. Right. And if we were to talk to any of the disciples of Jesus, uh, even post resurrection, just follow me for a second. If we were to read their writings, uh, if, we, if we were to walk with them, if we were to see their lives, they were trying to convince people the benefit of becoming a disciple, to learning the ways of Jesus, learning how, watch this, walking with God. That, that's the goal, walking. Uh, but the church, it's easier to sell a destination that you can get in three easy steps. 
right? If you just take 10 steps to the front and you say a quick prayer, now it's all done. And now we got to lie to you about your power to control your atmosphere uh, to make you feel like coming here. With... But the truth is we're all called to be disciples. Are, are, are you following? We're all called to just be disciples of Jesus. And then, okay, so what do I do next? You be a disciple. Well, what about next year? Disciple, right? But at the end of the age, what do you do? Make disciples, right? Like this is, this is it. It's all about discipleship. It's all about learning the, the, the path of Jesus how to walk with him, and how to help other people say, hey, here, here's the path. And as we're studying this life of Elijah, uh, we're, we're watching this discipleship process unfold in his life. We like to think that Elijah dropped on the scene, perfectly mature, able to do everything he was called to do. But we watch, we watch how this kind of discipleship pattern unfolds. I want to recap it real quick to prepare us for next week and the week after that. Are, are, are you okay with that? Excellent. So let's get in the Bible here. So we look here, Elijah, and the goal here is that we see his journey so we can see our journey in it. That's the goal. We want to see ourselves in Scripture because it speaks to our lives. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, we talked about this already. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, surely there'll be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And you remember that uh, you know, the king had a job and he wasn't doing it. He was worshiping the wrong God. He brought a curse on the land. The, the, the Elijah was bold enough to say it's not going to rain anymore. And sure enough, it didn't. And God, in the midst of a drought, took Elijah to the stream and had him being fed by the bird and uh, drinking out of the river. And so what is this? See, early in our walk, God's going to take us through some things. And we got to learn how to trust God to take care of us. You got to learn to trust God for you. That's the very, that's, that's the beginning of the discipleship process. That, 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 that's not where this is all going. Amen, amen, amen. That's the beginning right there. The beginning is I need to learn to trust God. I don't need to run out and, 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 and sleep around to find the person I'm supposed to be with. I, I don't need to go around and, 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 and cheat on my taxes to get my, my, my bills paid. I don't need to um, conform to how they do business in the business where they're constantly gossiping or undercutting or treating employees poorly. I, I can actually be an ethical person and trust God to make me, amen. See, I can just try to trust God. That's, the, that's our first step on our, on, our, on our discipleship journey. Like, this is where you start. And, and this is not where you want to be in 10 years. You don't want to be learning this again and again and again. Oh, I shouldn't have. You know, I shouldn't have backstabbed to try to get ahead. That, well, look at that, it backfired. What do you know? You know, like I should actually trust God and, and, and let him be God in my life. It, it, you know, it, it can't be all about us in heaven. It, it can't just be about me. It, it, it's got to be God supplies my needs. And so there's going to be some gaps in my life. When you're a disciple, there's got to be some gaps in your life that only God can fill. It, we have to be okay with that. We have to be comfortable with saying, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I have been perfectly ethical this entire time, and so I'm trusting God. I could have manipulated it, but I chose not to. I've created God. I could fill that gap with my own manipulations, with my own codependent habits, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave that vacuum to bring God into the situation, right? And so we can't, we can't, we can't have a relationship with Jesus that um, the success is determined by us never being uncomfortable. We can't run from discomfort. That's part of the discipleship process, right? And so, and so, so 
Elijah's here eating and drinking in that, you know, he had learned to trust God for his supply when literally he could do nothing about it. Imagine, uh, you know, a season that God takes you through that says, I want you to wait for people to just bring you food. I'm not, I'm a man of faith and all, uh, and maybe a meal, but I see naked and afraid. That looks uncomfortable, right? Like, I I want, I I want some food, right? Like, and I want it real. I don't want to have to go find it. I want But here's, here's, here's Elijah learning to let God be the supplier of his need. And then eventually God tells him, oh goodness, um, I'm just going to repent right now. There's no possible way this is going to be shorter than normal, but it won't be longer than normal, all right? That's my, that's my covenant promise to you today. It has nothing to do with barbecue waiting for me out there, right? Uh, and so, so, so he took Elijah in the midst of the famine and took him to a woman who is a widow. Now, first of all, in that culture, men don't honor women, number one. Number two, widows do not have a man providing for them, so they're worse off than other people. This is not a healthy society, right? And the Lord says, I'm going to take you to a foreign land that doesn't even believe I'm God. You're going to have a widow provide for you. And so um, he shows up uh, to her house, and uh, he tells her, you know, give me some of your food. You know this. And... um, and, and he says, hey, I tell you what, if you hook me up, we'll both get hooked up. And she didn't know that's what was going to happen. So Elijah had to go to this woman, and, and here's where you start getting mature. You go from saying, I'm just going to trust God for me, to you say, I'm going to trust God through other people. I'm going to trust God through other people. I'm going to trust Christ in you to look out for my needs. Now, this is scary in America. In America, this is scary, that I'm going to make myself vulnerable to you and trust that God will shine through for my good. Now, this is the relational aspect of Christianity that, you know, one prayer and done lies to you about. Jesus wants us to be part of a community as we grow in our faith, we grow uh, in, in, in discipleship with God. And so he shows up, uh, he's trusting God to feed him through a widow in a land of famine. And what do you know? God does it. He blesses Elijah. This woman meets his needs, but not only uh, are his needs met, but the woman's needs are met also because now I want this is I don't have time to unpack this fully, but because he allowed God to shine through her, she was blessed as well. You see this when we're it's all me and God. I don't need anybody else. And you don't allow anybody else to shine the light of Christ. We, we want people to be able to experience the blessing that it is to know him and allow his grace to flow through you. So, we, we, like I said, the, you know, the food was multiplying in this woman's house. And, 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 and when we connect to other people in godly paradigms, everybody is blessed. When, amen? When, 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 we, when we trust God through others, everybody is blessed. This is community. This is what, this is what had... Uh, 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 my wife crying, and this is what had Sarah crying, and this because people are connected and they're just remembering how God has blessed me through seeing other people get blessed, and how God has blessed other people by seeing me get blessed. There is a handful of testimonies in this church that I remember throughout time that someone got a breakthrough, they shared the testimony, other people grabbed onto the testimony and got the same breakthrough in their life, and I, this is the power of community. This is the power of allowing yourself to be a blessing through other people. This, this, this is the connectedness that I believe God wants 
all of us, especially us, us Americans, especially Americans in a wealthy area who are trained by the society that all you need is you and you don't need anybody else. This is, this is the, I'm surrendering to the gospel. It's, it's not just a, you know, I'm going to stop looking at pornography. It's not, it's not just I'm going, to, um, I'm going to stop doing this thing. No, no, it's I'm going to be part of the community, and I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to trust other people. I'm going to be connected. I'm going to allow myself to be hurt by other people's failures. This, is, this, this, this becoming a disciple of Jesus is kind of a big deal, right? And it's kind of all-encompassing in our lives. You can't compartmentalize your spirituality, right? It's, 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 uh, it's truly becomes who you are in what you're growing into. That is the journey, us growing into the image of of God. And so we see that when we connect with other people, we both get blessed. Now, this is so many people, and um, just hold your heart for a second. A lot of people, they finally get connected to a community, and then something bad happens. Uh, maybe, maybe the pastor has a moral failure. Uh, maybe you trusted a leader who turned out not to be trustworthy. Maybe, maybe rumors went around, or maybe you just messed up. Maybe, maybe um, you did something that you knew wasn't right, but now the community has cast you out. All the people you walked with for a long time, all of a sudden, none of that counted, and they've completely just... Maybe you fell into a hard time. Um, maybe, maybe your marital status changed. Maybe, I don't know. And then you're like, man, I trusted these people, and they hurt me. I should have never opened my heart to begin with. Now look. And so here's what happens with this woman. Uh, Elijah starts feeding her, through why God starts feeding both of them through miracle food. And then the woman's son dies. And I can imagine, like, I don't know if there's any heartbreak like heartbreak after hope. Right? You gave up on something, and then you put your heart back into it, and then it's almost like you're punished for hoping again. You may know what I'm talking about? That, that, that hurts. It hurts bad. And... um. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Does this, does this land on anybody in here? You're not alone. Here's what I want you to hear. Like, when I ask questions, say, yeah, you let other people know. You're not alone in this thing, man. The devil wants you to think that you cause it, and you're the only person who's ever experienced it. You ever been hurt like this on the rebound, right? Yeah? You're not alone, right? This is what happened with this woman. She was ready to die, and because she trusted Elijah, like, oh, man, maybe we're going to make it. And then her son dies after all. This is like the worst kind of hurt. The hurt, at, like, you've already resigned to give up. Someone talks you into having hope, and then you get burned for it. And she's like, ah, oh, this is real, right? Like, this is, this is real life. And, um, and Elijah says, you know, man, man, this is, this is bad. Um, she put her hope in me. Her life is full. I hope that, that they weren't hitting the kid right there. That's not what that noise was. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. But I'm virtually positive that wasn't it. How do I know? Well, I know the people and I don't hear screaming. Right? So you can just you can just relax. That's not what that was. That's not what that was. Hallelujah. Is it my mind the only mind that goes that way? <clears throat> Hallelujah. So, so, so Elijah goes from trusting God for himself to trusting God through other people, right? Now here's a woman who's double hurt. And here's the next phase of his being a disciple of Jesus. He's now going to be the hand of God for someone. 
This is how we get mature. When, 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 when we don't measure our lives based on what is happening inside my house, what is happening inside my heart, what is happening inside my bank account. When, when you begin to mature in your discipleship journey, other people's problems become your problems because you have become enough of a disciple that you can bring solutions. This is where God is leading you, that you would be God's hands for the one. And so you, you know the story, of course. Um, he stretched his body out over the boy, uh, and the boy came back to life. Um, and so now we see that Elijah has come to a place of maturity that God can really use him. See, anybody can stop the rain. Anybody can call out the problem. Any, anybody can, um, can, can cause judgment. Anybody can see what's wrong. You don't have to have any level of spiritual maturity to tell people what is wrong with them. It takes absolutely zero maturity to be a critic. Amen? It, it, it does take no discernment, takes no wisdom, takes no love to call down judgment. You know what it does? It does take some wisdom. It does take maturity. It does take knowing Jesus to solve some problems. That, that, that's, that's how you start finding mature people to trust. People who have actual solutions to problems. Anybody could... Okay, Carl, I'm going to roll that back in. I'm about, to go, I'm about to go down roads that will be neither helpful to the message nor to me finishing on time. So I'm just going to draw it back a little bit here. Are you, are, do you help me out, okay? So it doesn't take any maturity at all to point out problems. It does take, it is a sign of maturity that you have solutions. Um, it, you know, in 2021, the Lord told us the word over our house for this year is learn of me. Now, here's what's really funny about that word. When God says, <laughs> oh, Jesus, I wish I could do, I don't know, about 25 years of my life over again. I don't know about you. Um, probably you, you, many of you would be getting born again, so that, doesn't, that wouldn't be as exciting for you. Um, but, but, for, but for me, um, uh, you know, God tells you something like, you need to come and learn of me. And you're like, yeah. He just said that you don't understand him well and you need to learn. But when he says that to you, you think you understand it. Like there is a deception. Like he's literally saying, you don't know me the way you should. You need to learn. And you're like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And he's like, if you knew what I was talking about, I wouldn't have to tell you that. I wouldn't have to tell you. You need to learn. Please humble yourself so we don't have to do this every year, right? And so the word over our house is, is learn of me. Now, I don't believe it was a rebuke, but I do know that when the Lord tells us things like that, it means, hey, hold on, stuff's about to shift. Hold on to your seat, things are about to change, right? Like my, my I, well, I won't say who, but there's a certain um, person in my house who happens to be of new driving age, and you take them driving, and you know when you ever with a new driver and you see a stop sign coming up, you better just hold the seat, right? Because you're going to drive, and you're going to stop, right? Like it's just, oh, yep, that will just stop, right? Or, or they're going to turn, and you're like, they're not exactly sure how to work out that gas pedal. Do I feather it, or do I just go? And so you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what the turn's going to be like. You might be in the turn, and be like, whoa, all right, that was a nice little turn in life. Or there's going to be like one of those God turns, you know, where you're going along and then you're, whoa, okay, all right. I guess we're going this way now. All right, there we go. Let's break into the turn, accelerate out of the turn. I want to tell God, hey, if things are shifting, can we slowly shift out of last season and slowly accelerate into the new season? But God is like on a hyperdrive or something, right? Like gravity doesn't matter to him and he just turns. Have you noticed this with God? You're going in one direction and then everything changes and you're like, 
Oh, oh, oh we're doing this now. Oh, okay, this is, no, I, I thought we were doing, no? Oh, we're doing, okay, got you. If you could let me know, that would be great. And he's like, remember I told you things are going to change? You're like, well, I didn't know you meant this. Like, I, I, you know I'm dumb. You got to explain these things for me. Break it down. Come on, you created me. You understand what's happening up here. Help me out. Show a little grace here, God. What's up? And so, and so here we got Elijah who went through the discipleship process. He's going through the discipleship process. And we're not finishing the story today, but we're at a very critical juncture of it. See, all these lessons that Elijah was learning are leading to something. They're, they're not just God giving him a hard life. But he was supposed to be learning, right? And we see here at 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Now, <clears throat> I, um, these, are, these are the moments in Scripture when I study the word and I see these, the shift, when I see the story change, when I, when I, when I see the plot begin to develop, you start, you st I, 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 like, I want to slow down and say, okay, what, what are they communicating to me here? What are, the, what are the riches of scripture that I can mine to understand in my own life? And um, I, I, I find something really interesting here. Like Elijah has clearly been a disciple this whole time, but, but he still has a role to play in God's plan. He, I got a prophetic word. Uh, this week from um, a Brazilian prophet who lives in North Florida, who I've become friends with. Great guy, really great guy. Uh, and, he, and I said, hey, um, oh, I'm having a church anniversary service. You know, can you see if you get a prophetic word? Now, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know someone's a younger prophet. I was, I'm like, okay, just see if you get a word. And so he, he goes back, he goes, he goes, okay, I have a word. It's 22 minutes long. How should I send it to you? I was like, yeah, I didn't ask for all that. A word means, you know, six letters, seven letters. It's a word, right? But uh, he had a whole unpacking and a teaching. And, uh, and, and so he begins to talk to me. Uh, and it was, um, you knew it was prophetic because he didn't know what he was talking about, but I did. Right? That's how you, knew, that's how you know it's real prophecy. When, 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 when they don't know what they're talking about, but you do. And uh, he began to talk to me, and I don't have time to share it because I only have uh, four minutes left. Uh, so I don't have time to give you the whole word. Uh, but I knew when he was talking to me, he was talking to me about what, where God is in my life and where we are at as a church. And so uh, get your mouth ready for the barbecue, right? Because I'm almost done. Um, see? Yes. Um, <clears throat> now here's what's so cool. Okay. So he tells me, he's telling me, now he's, I'm, I'm listening to the recording because he decided to record it and send it to me. Uh, and so he says, yeah, I don't know what this means, but you're in the middle of a six-year season. He said, I see a six-year season. I see three years. I see three years. Uh, and, and I see in the middle of it. And then a little bit later, he talked about building, the building and the, the season and things are, are uh, it, it sounded confusing the way he said it. But I knew, I knew that... Um, in this building, we have a six-year lease. We had a three years and then three one-year options. And our first three years just ended this week. Right? And he said, um, he, he, he said, in the third year, things will, at the end of the third year, things are shifting. And immediately, God started talking to me. I was like, man, I think I know. I think this three-year, three-year thing makes sense. And then, you know, I sat down to work on my message, and it was this. 
Uh, now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the... I was like, okay, God may be talking. God, see, and don't you wish he would just send me a book that explains all this? Like, if you could have had somebody write this 3,000 years ago so that I would have it today, right? You would think in that amount of time, they could, could have put together a little booklet for Carl about 2021, right? That would have been helpful. You have plenty of time. Um, and, and then the Lord just began to talk to me. And here's what I feel like the word for our house in that means for you. And so I'm just going to kind of prophetically share this next part really quick. Uh, and, and then it lined up with what Lillian was saying in worship. And forgive me that this is a little rough, but I'm just sharing from my heart right now. Um, I think a lot of people think that you've reached the end of something or something is over, that you're just you're halfway into the story. And you've already buried the thing, you've, got, you, you've dug a hole, you're ready to fill it in, you're thinking what you're going to do after uh, the, 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 the funeral, and God's like, man, you are in the middle of the story. It is not set in concrete yet. It, it looked like it was the end. See, we were at the end of our three-year lease, but we had three one-year options. So it felt like the end, but it was really just the middle. And I think so many times in life we think, like, now, now, like, like, the, like, the, like the widow, I'm going to make my little cake. I'm going to go home and I'm going to die. This thing is over. The business is dead. The ministry is gone. The relationship is over. Like, that, that, that's the end of it. And I feel like the word of the Lord today is God is like, no, you've given up too soon. Like, you do, now you're at the place that you actually need me. We've now seen what you can do. Now it's time to watch what I can do. You see, Elijah was in hiding because they were going to murder him. They were murdering the other prophets. Uh, and they were going to murder him. This is why he was in hiding. And literally the word of the Lord was now, you know that person who killed all your friends and, and has wanted to kill you? Yeah, I want you to go talk to them. Now, this person is not like some dude. You're like, well, maybe I could. They have an army, right? Uh, it, it, but the Lord said, I want you to, come on up, Mike. I want you to go talk to them. Why, God? Because I'm going to send some rain. He's like, I'm going to settle this thing once and for all. Can you say Amen. And, and at, this, at, this, um, at this juncture, I, I, I just when you're part of a community, our lives get woven together somehow in some supernatural way that I don't even understand, that we're all on these different journeys, but somehow we come together at the same junction point at the same time where this prophetic word speaks not only into our church, but into our personal lives and the lives around us. And, and right now, I just, I just feel like... Um, it's time to uh, just kind of it's time to kind of focus on what God has really called you to and be hopeful in that area of your life to to, to really understand man, my story is not over. This is not the end of it. Now, I have realized once guard your heart here. I've realized that I'm a failure. I realize that I am fallible. I've realized that watch it. Here's better language. Only Jesus is perfect. Only Jesus is perfect, and since only Jesus is perfect, I have tried to be perfect for a long time. I've tried to resurrect this thing on my own for a long time. I have tried to give the illusion that I am enough for a long time, and now I've reached the end of that. And now I need Jesus. And then Jesus finally says, hey, guess what? Now I'm ready for you to go to that thing and let it know God is now involved in this thing and rain is coming. Woo! My God. My God, man, I tell you, a month ago, when I was looking at the calendar for this Sunday, this doesn't happen to me a lot, I looked at the calendar and I was like, hmm, anniversary service, and the Lord said to me, tell him, rain is coming, rain is coming. 
I started working out the schedule. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to teach 1 Kings 18.1 on that very day. And I'm here to let you know, as the word of the Lord says, rain is coming. He said, show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain. What does that mean? Some of you are going to have to get real about the things you're dealing with in your life. Some of you, your ambition has gotten you into situations that have depleted your life. You thought that you could change things. You thought that you could run things. You thought that you thought that you could be, and you, like, I understand the message, I am enough, I'm not going to live under condemnation, but the cross tells us I will never be enough. I need Jesus in every situation of my life. I need to be focused on his call. I need to be focused on my redemption. I need to be focused on his life. I need to be focused on being a disciple. But I'm going to talk to Ahab today and tell him, guess what? Your little barking is going to keep me hidden in the back room any longer. I'm going to look at you face to face. I'm going to do what it takes to trust God in my circumstances, to trust God in other people, to stay connected to my community once I got that worked out. I'm going to drag out some of these beasts that are calling my name from the closet. At night, when I hear the voices in the darkness telling me about my failure, that I'm scared to actually go and confront the people that intimidate me, that I refuse to actually have a healthy conversation with to fix the relational dynamic. I tell you what, when I'm connected to Jesus and I'm connected to other people, I can walk up to them and I can trust God for rain. And I'm ready to grab some of those voices. Say, my God has declared that this is going to end. Rain is coming. See, once Elijah got all these little personal things worked out, now it's time to change the world. Now it's time to change the world. See, once, once you understand how to minister to the one, and once you know how to get ministry to yourself and minister to somebody else and you allow God to move through them, now you can start taking on systems. Now you can start taking on cultures. Now, now, now you can start taking on systems of oppression. Now, now you can actually say, I'm ready to see society change. Now, this, is where, this is where we're moving now. Like, if you go by a hungry person, please feed them. But I'd sure like to solve hunger in South Florida. I mean, I want to help the hungry, but I'd sure like to solve hunger. I, I, I want to help the woman who's being abused, but I would like to take on abuse. I would like to free the woman who's being oppressed, but I want to take on oppression. You see where I'm going with this. <laughs> I, I, I like confronting the racist. I lost some friends over that this year. Uh, don't regret it for a second. Hello. I've, I've taken on some racists. I'm ready to take on racism. Who's with me? Come on. Stand with me if you would. Actually, yeah, stand with me if you would. Listen, you're on a journey. It may look like a drought right now, but God is intending to send rain. You're in the middle of your story. Every act of obedience, every act of self-control is leading you into the second half. You don't even take interesting classes in college till the third year. You, you.
halfway through, right? But you were called to be something bigger, be a part of something bigger than yourself. If we each do our part, God will do his part. And I just want to real quickly, if you just bow your head and close your eyes, and I'm not, I just want to pray for you. I don't want to call anybody out. I just want to pray right now. And I want to pray for those of you who are ready to get back in the game, get reconnected to God, reconnected to church, reconnected to a healthy community. No one's going to be looking. No one's going to give you a pamphlet after. We're not going to call you forward. Um, but just close your eyes and bow your head. And I just want to know, I'm going to be praying here in a minute. I just want to know, who can I pray for? That you're just like, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to turn back. I'm ready to recapture. Just put your hand up and down really quick. I see you over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, I'm ready. I see you. Yeah, on the left, I see you. You're like, I'm done. I'm giving up. I failed. I'm ready for Jesus. Maybe it's time to turn from your sin. Maybe it's time to lay down anger. Maybe it's time to lay down control. I want to pray for you. Anybody else before I pray? Yep, I see you. Yep, 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 yep. I see you too. So we're going to pray a prayer of dedication right now together. Right? You can look around now. We're going to pray a prayer of dedication together. We're all going to pray this together because no one's going to be singled out in this church. Uh, we're going to ask Jesus to just forgive us, to knit us into his community. Are you ready? Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I've done things that were wrong. I have reacted poorly. I have not been healthy. I've been in sin. And I know you died for my sin. Wash me clean. Come into my life. I'm ready for the second half. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me power over sin. And I will be a disciple. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give a clap for our friend to the Lord. I, um, imagine if we just all begin to look at things like that. We're going to be the source. We're going to learn how to be disciples so we can change our society. Is that a, is that a group you want to be a part of? Because that's... That's who I want to be a part of, amen? That, that, that's, that's, that's like when I stand up to something and someone thinks like it's just me, then a whole community is with me saying, no, 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 this is wrong. And you might think that it's okay, but it's actually not. This is not good. It's not good. I'm not going to run down the list, but I want to be a part of a, a people who changes society around us. I want to invite you on that journey. Be a part of something bigger than yourself. Be, 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 see an ethic evolve corporately. This is what we want to see at Revival Life. So, forgot to say this earlier. Uh, during the pandemic, um, us, our little church, us, we served 10,000 meals. 10,000 meals to the hungry. I'm not saying we sent money to, you know, like out of the back of a truck, out of a, you know, like us personally as a church, funding, serving, loving 10,000 meals. This is who we are. Like, if you're part of this church, guess what? We're going to ask you for money to give people. Like, we're not shaking you down for us, but I have no problem shaking us down for the hungry. I have no problem shaking us down for abused single moms. I have no problem. Like, this is what our money is for. If you're looking for a purpose behind your money, I got one for you. It's to help some people. And this is who we're going to be as 
a people. If I have some life group leaders come forward, I want to pray for you and we're going to let you go eat barbecue. If you need healing in your body, you want deliverance, or you're just saying, hey, I prayed that prayer and I'm ready. Yeah, there you go. I, 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 I want to pray. I want to, I'll, I'll, if you need healing in your body, you want to be joined to the church. You want to be joined to something bigger than yourself. I, I want to invite you to come forward and get some prayer. Real quick, before we eat barbecue, I want to sing the new hope, new wine, new, you, you two enough or you need more people? You good? She said, we're, we're more than enough. She didn't say that. I said that. But, but let's just sing this. Uh, is, it, is it a bridge? Yeah. It's a bridge. I don't know these things. See, I just guessed. Right? It's a bridge or a highway, right? Uh, and we're going to sing it together, right? Hey, we love you. Thank you so much for coming. If you want to help set up, if you're part of the setup team, Sarah Pagano, who's, who's supposed to come up to be to me to point people to, she's now walking outside. If you can help set up tables or chairs, uh, follow her. We're going to do some of these chairs in a moment. But we're going to join our voices together. You're your life group leader, yeah? Yeah, so you'll be right here. And so, um, uh, and, and so we, uh, we're going to, um, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna sing this together and then we're going to go eat barbecue. You ready? Are you good? Woo! All right, come on, come on, come on, come on. New hope, new life, new wine. We come together with one breath, one voice, one cry. Jesus, our come on, Savior, come on, come on, come on, come on. This is what he wants to do in your life in this second half. Come on. Life, new Lift your voice. Come on. We come together with one breath, one voice, come on. one Hallelujah. Cry. Come on. Jesus, our Savior, new hope, Sing it. new life. Prophesy it over your life right now. Prophesy it over we your life. We come together with one breath, one voice, one Cry, Jesus, our Savior, new hope, new life, new wine. We come together with one breath, one voice, one cry. Jesus, our Savior, new hope, new life, new wine. We come together with one breath. Savior. I thank you so much for being a part of our anniversary service. We love you. Stick around. Don't just get in your car and go home. You can meet somebody new. You can help set up a table. We're going to clear out these chairs. I'm not sure what it is we're doing with them, but somebody does. Hug somebody near you. Just give one clap offering if you one more time for what God did tonight. We love you. God bless you, and we look forward to the next three years. Amen? Amen. All right. Time for barbecue.